Another episode of the Blues on Parade podcast where all we do is talk Chelsea, talk shit about everyone else. This week, boys from Zagreb. Chelsea wins 2-1, to one, clinch the groups, but before we get to that, when I introduce the man behind the ones and twos, he is the law, the one and only Sam Bagrazade. <laughs> I am the law, yes. Um... Are you, bud? Oh, it could be better, man. Honestly, I'm happy with the result and everything, but this this Chilwell injury crushed me. It absolutely crushed me, man. This fuck... I, I hate Champions League now. I honestly hate Champions League. I feel like every every year we have big injuries in the Champions League, or at least in the past two years. So... Same month, same month as last year. So I, I know you're hurting. We're going to get to that a little bit later. But we got to round it out with sexiest voice in podcasts. My fellow married one. Oh, yeah. Zach Curry. Uh, I'm on the same boat as you, Sam. Why can't we just have nice things? And that's that's kind of how I feel right now. You know, it was great seeing Zakaria out there and him playing so well. And then I just thought to myself, oh, man, I can't wait to see Zakaria on the pitch with our full-strength lineup, thinking about Reese possibly coming back after the World Cup. Now we got to deal with this. Our best left-back slash left-wing back goes down again. Um, and it, it just sucks even more because it's chilly, of all people. Like, we, we know what he went through, the nine months of recovery and rehab and all that good stuff. And through and, it all, uh, such a such a high spirit in the locker room. I mean, yeah, in a way, like... A kill, chill guy. Yeah, <laughs> I see what you did there. It, it just sucks that it goes to, you know, that person, right? A guy that kept, you know, everybody high spirits when he couldn't do anything for the team on the pitch. But, man, guys, I... I was expecting a little bit more energy because my Astros just tied the World Series. I was feeling good, and you just reminded me of a harsh reality. And, and man, it just back down to earth. I'm not going to lie. Cloud9 lasted for a second. But yawn. I'm sorry. Sorry that the Dodgers <laughs> aren't there. But anywho, let's get back to football. There were some positives in this match. Yeah. Chill well, Gray Cloud is out there, but we'll get right to the starting 11. It was a weird 4-3-3-4-3-1-2 with our strikers, if you want to call them strikers, basically lined up as wingers. Endy and goal. Aspie, Chalaba, Kulabali, and Chilwell deployed in a back four. Midfield three of Mount, Jorginho, and Dennis Sakaria. Jorginho playing in Ooh. his once famous Regista role. I have in sort of a floating 10 false nine role and Sterling and Aubameyang deployed high and wide with Sterling on the right, Aubameyang on the left. Now, first off, had a hot take. I almost got it perfectly right. Zakaria on the pitch. 
he would be in a back three potentially if if we decided to go to back three. But I I know the scoreline is two one. Doesn't seem like Chelsea dominated, but if you watch this match, at least I felt this was the most comfortable win in a while under Potter. You know, we had been drawing games. We kind of struggled to get a result in the past maybe two-ish weeks after the Milan match. But today I felt good. I Obviously, we know what happened at the very end of the match, but I thought the back four looked comfortable. I thought the midfield looked extremely comfortable. I thought the attack looked fluid. Jack, am I am I wrong? Like, am, am I dreaming? Am, did my blue tinted glasses on? Like, how did you feel about the game? No, I thought we played really well. Um, minus the first five minutes, I thought the back line and Mendy were relatively decent on the day. Yeah. Um, I'll get for back me, to that it too. was Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, it was more so the impact of Zakaria just coming into the midfield. We had a safety net if we lost ball in possession in that middle third. Um, in the past few matches, or few years rather, when we haven't had Conte due to injury, if we lost the ball in that middle third, there was no hope in getting it back unless Mason Mount or Kovacic were counter-pressing. And now we have a guy like Denis Zakaria, who's 6'3", brute, super mobile. Um, his impact was was huge. So I thought that was a big reason why we played so well today. But overall, very comfortable. Probably could have gotten a couple more goals, but can't complain about a win. Tom, how did you uh, feel? I was... Okay, so first of all, we are idiots for not realizing that we already clinched first in the group. Um, we did not. Thought, thought we, we did. did not. No, we if, did. If, we have we have the head to head. No, but if oh okay yeah, head to head would be goal differential. Yeah. No, no, head to head. Yeah, head to head is the first tiebreaker, and that's where we were in the wrong as of this yeah. weekend. It's ahead of goal differential, though? Yeah. In Champions yeah. League, it is, correct. Yes. Oh, and that's, interesting. And, that's, and we, we totally, I mean, I forgot that. Zach didn't know that, apparently. Um, but yeah, I, I we, totally uh, just forgot about it. I think at my so, high, head was a little bit in the World Cup because I think goal differential is the first tiebreaker there. Yeah. So even this was even less of an important match than I even previously thought. So. Why did we field such a strong 11? I have no idea. I think the only player that reasonably like was a surprise was Zakaria. Every other player was like part of our best 11. Maybe not, not Jorginho, but in Champions League he is. Um, so a little bit surprising. Obviously it paid out. Um I'm I'm really curious what Potter's thinking was. Like, I think it's obviously very valuable. The more minutes that these guys get together, um, you know, to gel together in real match play. But, um, yeah, that's that's what I thought overall. Yeah, I give you my opinion on why we feel the strong eleven. We talked a little bit about it on. On Sunday night, Monday for those listening. It's a Mendy factor. We had to play a whole new match in a whole different way without Keppa being part of the buildup. So initially, I was very much hoping that someone like Omari Hutchinson would get minutes. But the hard truth is that this weekend we have a very important match. 
and to not let a group of main contributors switch from the back three, triple three, one, three, five, two, whatever it, the Potter ball we had seen so far was, I thought that a back four with Mendy and, and what that may look like, it was important to play the members of the team. And I mean, look at the subs and we made three subs in the 64th minute, Zakaria in the 70th. So players were being taken off at a, at a reasonable time. So I, I think that's why I agree that this was a no stakes match, but I think it was a practice run towards the Arsenal match this weekend. Zach, do you do you agree? What what do you think of, of my take there? Partially. Um, I, I think it was important to play a strong 11 strictly based on the last performance we had. If we played really well against Brighton and won comfortably, regardless of the Kepa injury, I think we put out a relatively... I don't want to say weak side, because any side we put out should be able to win games, but a rotated side at least. Um, But the fact that we didn't play well against Brighton, it doesn't make sense to get blown out in the Premier League, field a half-ass side midweek, and then go in and play the league leaders and expect to put on a a, a credible performance. I think it was important to field a strong 11 and just kind of get the, the legs back under them and get the momentum going again and just the general good feeling around the dressing room. Um, so for me, it was more of a confidence thing more than anything. I mean, the guy's a mm. has a degree in emotional intelligence, so maybe this is the psychological aspect of the game that he understands maybe better than we do. But for me, that that that's kind of what I got out of it was it was more so to instill the confidence back into the side and kind of you know make just make the general atmosphere feel good again. I mean, I think I the... Wonder, go, ahead, go ahead, Tom. I, I just wonder, I, I feel like, are we going to bring up the emotional intelligence thing every episode? I was like, I was going to ask about that, too. It's like, how long... Like, when is it going to become take a shot when Zach a, drops Potter's <laughs> diploma? Uh, it's I, pretty much the new meme at this point. Yeah. Now, the the other meme that listeners are well and true used to is Zach blowing his load early on our script. And he went off of our, who should have been the man of the match in Dennis, the menace Zagaria man finally got out of the gulag after two months of zero minutes for Chelsea football club, two months since he arrived, finally got on the pitch under the second manager that he worked under technically here at Chelsea. And he had amazing stats. He completed 39 of 40 pass completions, created a chance, six passes into the final third um, as sort of this weird DM box-to-box role, one shot that led to the game-winning goal, two interceptions, seven ball recoveries, three ground duels won. I mean, honestly, the eye test, eye test tells you everything you had to know. I mean, we were breaking mid uh we're breaking counterattacks. He was starting counterattacks. He was very quick to release the ball in, with a forward pass. He was dribbling with his physicality to get himself out of pressure. It just felt odd to see a true, brute, simple DM playing again at Chelsea. Osam, I wanted to ask you, is, is Zakaria suddenly the spark we needed in midfield? Or is... Or is he maybe a little too late to make his mark as a Chelsea player? No, for, for us it, to change our mind. 
how many matches have we played so far this season? I mean, we just we're about to start the knockout stage of Champions League. I think we're a third of the way through with the Premier League season. I, I have to check how many matches yeah. we've played. Um, so you can pull I mean, that up real quick. It's uh, Chelsea has played twelve out of the thirty-eight. Okay, yeah, so a third, a third through almost. Um, it's before before not... I let you keep answer. Let me let me rephrase because every if you want to jump into the headlines and everything on Twitter, it, the the rhetoric around Zakaria was that he's gone by January. So that's what I mean. You think that yeah. maybe this changes his trajectory? Maybe this is the start of something great for at least a season because he is the lone player. So that's kind of what I was aiming at. Not not literally that it's a little late into our full season, but right, in terms right. of the leash that Zakaria had as a lone player who who it felt like was a failed move. Well I think that even just playing him in this in this um in this match and getting him what's what's the term like locked in like team yeah. locked. Tournament um, locked, yeah. Yeah, tournament locked where he can only play for Chelsea or, or Juventus. I think that pretty much sealed it where he probably wouldn't go anywhere in January unless there was a team that wasn't in the Champions League that wanted to get him. Or, I mean, I don't know, like a return to Juventus. Is that even an impossibility? I know they're out of Champions League, so. Um, <laughs> but um, it's like, I think after a performance like this, you definitely have to like have to consider oh my god sorry my watch is talking to me um you definitely have to consider putting zakaria in i wouldn't even say regular starting 11 but he should be getting minutes very often i mean i think Jorginho benefited so much from playing next to him like I said last episode, I think that Kovacic would have played a lot better if Zakaria was playing next to him. I think he still has a chance to play. Um, and me and Zach kind of disagreed on this, but after he scored, he stared at Potter for like a good like 10, 15 seconds. Like oh, so so let's let's hit we'll hit pause on the stair gate. We'll bring that up in a second after we discuss his uh, performance a little bit because I would I do want to hear both of your arguments and, and then we can uh yeah, we can let the the listeners debate on Twitter if there are teams. Yeah, but okay, but, but just just finishing up that that point, I think he the staring will will you know not getting into it. I think he sent a message to Potter that you know what. I can play for you. Let me play for you. And I think that's his performance today showed that. Zach, you kind of already gave us a glimpse of what you felt of Zakaria's performance. Anything else you want to add? You're muted, by the way. Because you were watching the Lakers game and they scored a three-pointer to tie. Not the win, yeah, to tie. Yeah, OT, baby. Um, no, I, I agree with everything you said regarding the, you know, how it makes Jorginho play his best football. I mean, he he returned to his regista role, which we know is his best position, but I'm going to 
flip the script a little bit and talk about Mason Mount. I think having him in the starting 11 or at least in the midfield allowed Mason Mount to push higher up the pitch at times and sort of pick and choose when he wanted to sort of slot into that number 10. And then that would push Kai out to either flank or it would push Kai right up the middle alongside Aubameyang and we would have a different kind of shape with two two strikers. So it was, um, I guess for lack of a better word, he provides us with options, right? It's a different type of profile player than anybody else we have in the team. He's built like Loftus-Cheek. He has a, he has a, a better defensive ability than him. Um, his passing range was really impressive with me as well. Every time he received the ball, he always looked for the switch. And the quickness of thought was there as well. He didn't necessarily linger on the ball, um, kind of like we saw Saul do last year. Saul looked like a deer in the headlights whenever he got slotted in in the beginning. And Sicario, for maybe the first five or ten minutes, was sort of struggling to find, to pick and choose where his spaces were, where he was going to operate. But then after that, it seemed really comfortable for him. So um, I think he provides us a lot of options. I, I especially think when we have our healthy wingbacks or fullbacks back, It'll allow them to push higher up the pitch, and maybe Zakaria can kind of drop in and just sort of sit in front of that back three, or even our you know back two if we're playing with two center backs to sort of provide that uh, that cover to allow more wing play and more width. So there's a lot more ways than he that he can benefit the team other than Jorginho. I think Jorginho most obvious one, and obviously that's a plus. You know, allowing Mount to push forward, allowing Kai to play in a more free role, or pushing Kai higher up the pitch as a result of that. And then also with the healthier wingbacks, I think uh, when we have a fully healthy team, if he can keep playing like this, if this is who he really is, um, we might have a player on our hands and we might have to exercise that buy option. I know it's a little early. Um, it's only one appearance. So let's see how he actually holds up in the Premier League. But, you know, the evidence that we saw today, I think I think he can actually have a, a pretty decent career in the Premier League. And who knows? He, he might be serving a bigger role for the squad this year than just a rotational player. He might be one of our key guys moving yeah. forward. Yeah, I, I could I, see that happening. For for sure. I mean, it, it is one match, and, and you can say what you want about the levels of Dynamo Zagreb, but had they beat us, they would have qualified for Europa League. So they had something to play for today. It wasn't just a scrimmage for them, per se. Now, Zach, you mentioned what that meant for Mason Mount's positioning. I pulled up the heat maps. Zakaria's heat map was more in line with the halfway line, barely progressing past the midfield circle, while Mount's most red spot was right in front of the midfield circle. So even though they were they were starting basically parallel in terms of their deployment, Mount had a little bit more freedom to go up, and, and that may be due to Sakaria. I mean, we know Jorginho's not going to go up, so it almost makes like a base of a midfield too. Um, mm -hmm. So... Let's get into Stairgate because this became yes. very much a, a talking point in our group text. Karia's was it was it a talking in. point on Twitter or anything? Like I, I didn't really I, look. Honestly, I was not on it. Twitter today. I I was not there. Uh, I usually like to go in there, listen to people's spaces, see see what all is being said. I, I stayed out of it. Just a coincidence. I had other stuff come up, but. It was a conversation in our group text immediately. Some had video evidence to, to look through the replay. Basically, Zakaria scores. He doesn't go nuts. He doesn't go to the Chelsea fans. He kind of keeps his ground, turns towards the bench. Players start rushing him. But before he cracks a smile, it's a pretty just straight deadlocked look at the bench. That's where the debate begins. It, it was like, I'll let it was you. Like, I'll let you take the floor. 
How is this it, a death stare? It's okay. It's not a death stare. It. I never said anything. I okay. I said it was scary because there you it was go, a okay. scary look. This is like this is like Balotelli esque. Like I remember one time. I forget when it was, but it's Germany it was the Euros. Was it no? Not when he took off his shirt. Is that what you're talking about? When he well, took off his also, shirt, he flex? also took off his shirt and said, "Had the why always me?" and did the death stare with City. There's multiple. Yeah, that, that's multiple what I'm talking stairs. about. That's what I'm talking about. The City one where he wasn't being played by it was Mancini, right? He was the manager at the time, I think, and um, he came on, scored, and stared at him like, "I'm the fucking man. How dare you!" Like, not play me. How dare you start Sergio Aguero ahead of me? <laughs> exactly. Prime that, Aguero. That, that's, I mean, let's be honest. That's, that's, that was Balotelli's mentality at, at that time. But going back to Zakaria, like, I put, I, like, I would just imagine myself in that situation where you haven't even played a, a single minute under this manager after coming in on loan. I mean, no, he, he didn't even play a minute under the previous manager either. So, wait. Did... Oh, no. no, he didn't get what, to play was under there Tuchel either. Was there overlap, though? He was, he was there for, like, one match under Tuchel. Okay, right. And okay. So there crack, were... crack the, the, Him the and Aubameyang, just one match. Yeah. Yeah, so... You know, you score, and it was, like, a good, like, 10 seconds where he didn't like he just was did not break that stare um looking at him and it was again telling him a message like i'm here you should have been playing me but clearly there was a reason why he wasn't playing right like there had to be a reason but mm-hmm. oh my god sorry about my dog but you couldn't yeah. you're good you're good i was gonna say yeah. Tom. there clearly is a reason because potter has a degree in emotional intelligence and right. stole my point sustained. <laughs> oh, i am the court of, i am the judge in this court of law go ahead Defendant, bring it back. well no I, I look for me it was more like a, i'm that dude kind of stare kind of like an it, it was it was reminiscent of somebody in the NBA dunking on someone else and just kind of staring over at his bench or staring over at his homies going like, that's me, I'm that guy. No. Yeah, it was more of that for me. Because all week leading up to the match, Potter every time Potter was asked about Zakaria, because he was asked about him a lot, he kept mentioning how well he's training and how his time is going to come. Eventually he's going to get his chance. He he was guaranteeing it. Um, So it's not a... I mean... I'm not going to lie. It was a surprise to see him play this well. I wasn't expecting him to come in and be one of the best players on the pitch. For me, I was just hoping that I could pull some positive away from his performance. But it turns out his whole performance was just one giant positive in itself. So I don't even know if there's much of a debate because we're both kind of agreeing. It wasn't a death stare. He, he, him no, and we, we, no, 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 no. There's we, we, that. we are not agreeing. You're saying no. he's looking at the bench. I said he's staring at Graham Potter. Him yeah. only. And he is, he is like, delivering a message to the manager was yeah. what Psalm was pointing out. And you're like, nah, nah, nah. Yeah, we're not agreeing, Zach. The celebration was definitely, or the lack thereof, was not a message to the fans because the fans haven't said anything about Zagaria. It wasn't a message to his teammates because he did crack some smiles. But he was 
laser focused. So the court has ruled. Sam L. Esquire Bagazade. Yes, let's go. Could, could, could I put in a motion that I think uh, yeah. Zakaria was staring directly at Matt Law? Stained. Sustained. The exhibit C was not means, right? court of law. Happy for him, though. He, he seems like he's uh, going to be quality. I mean, I know it's not on the script here, but I'm curious to see what both of you think because I was thinking about this earlier. 28 million, if he can continue this kind of form, like I said, if this is who he is, it's. Is it worth it? it, it I, I it mean, twenty-eight million. I think at this point, twenty-eight million is what you pay for a rotation option for an elite club. Manchester Which, City pays twenty-eight million for bench players. Therefore, Chelsea should be aiming to pay twenty-eight million for bench players. Yeah, I don't think I'm not going to start crying in November third that suddenly Zakaria is the solution, and we should not get an elite center mid because no 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 i think it's zakaria plus one if we decide the purchase minimum minimum because at this point neither Jorginho nor conte have a contract extension so that means that you know minimum zakaria plus two in my book i'm still thinking bellingham i'm still thinking edson alvarez or declan rice i'm obviously we need more depth because Oh, we'll, we'll jump into the point because I don't want to end on a sour note. We'll talk about Ben Chilwell here now. I mean, we were already down to one right back. And we are now down to one left back, left wing back. And honestly, I'll just say fuck November because I don't know what it is about this damn month in the calendar for Chelsea, but it nothing ever goes well. November ruins win streaks like it did under Lampard. November ruined what was supposed to be one of the most successful seasons ever for Chelsea under Tuchel last season when both wingbacks went down. And now November this year is has taken a shot at Ben Chilwell of all people for a second year in a row. 90th minute. The, the referee had already signaled for four minutes of extra time to play. And the guy was, he wasn't even in a full sprint when it happened. Just Unreal. hamstring snaps. You can tell he screamed at the top of his lungs because his head just jerks back. Then he hobbles. He's probably three feet away from the sideline, and it takes him two minutes to hobble there. It was extremely hard to see. Um, and even harder to just swallow when he was another guy that was arguably a man of the match. You know, he was in the high 80s. For, for passing completion percentage, 87 touches as a left back, six passes into the final third. He was fantastic on set pieces. He was, he was doing the Chilwell thing where he was getting himself into the box and into dangerous places. He even he was feeling so confident. I even saw him try like an outside the foot cross at one point. It was, yeah. you could tell awesome, he was yeah. feeling it. Yeah, you could tell that he was feeling that game and, and it just makes such a, this, Injury so much more devastating. Um, I mean, Sam, I, I gotta let you speak on Chilwell and really dive deep now because I know you're the conductor of the Chili Train. I mean, everyone Good that's listened to us knows that you called it correctly that he would be the most influential signing of that famous Lampard transfer window. So, uh, how yeah. how are you feeling about this? I mean, obviously, it's devastating. I think you kind of painted the picture very well of, you know, 
in this match in particular, he looked so good. You know, we're already down Reese James, so he's that much more important to rely on. Um, and it sucks, like, right at the end of the match where, um, you know, instead of, like, <laughs> it, like, I started the episode sad, even though we won, because, like, that that made me like forget about everything else in the whole entire match but the good news is you know our our backup for a left back with Kukurea is not really much of a drop off as opposed to on the right side where we have Dave filling in for Reese James so it's not like this injury is the end of the world um, if we're going to continue playing in a back four, and I know we're probably going to get into that a little bit more, um, Kukurea as a left back is completely fine. So I wouldn't say that this injury is devastating as far as like Chelsea's performance moving forward. I mean, now we don't have it. Now we don't have cover for Kukurea. Uh, that left back position so you know that it's that's a little bit tricky but um yeah it's it's just sad for him individually i i i know you guys are you know making it seem like the injury is you know worse than it's initially seemed but i'm i have a little bit of hope that it's not as severe as you guys might put it but I don't know. I think maybe that's just me being uh, positive and hopeful. Jack. Is, is that naive, maybe? Yeah. No, I, I don't think it is. I, I, I do agree. I think the right-hand side is... Reese James being injured is a lot more detrimental to the way the team plays in Chilwell. For more reasons than just the lack of cover on that side. It's Reese is our best player, but... No, this just kind of stinks because now, um, you know, we, we already had a few injuries at center back. I know Koulibaly just came back today, and I think he came off early. Didn't look like he was hurt, but maybe it was more of a fitness thing. Um, but, you know, we're limping in the back, basically. We have injuries all over the place, and having another one just kind of doesn't fucking help. Um, and, and the worst part is, is, you know, we're playing two or three matches a week now. So you're going to demand that kind of workload out of a guy like Kukurea full time and cross your fingers that he doesn't get hurt. Because if one of him or Dave gets injured, I mean, the wheels could fall off and fall off fast. Because we, we just yeah, have like, no... What, what, yeah, what happens after that? We have nobody I mean, else. I the mean, academy. The academy. Show someone. I mean... Yeah. Lewis Hall. I don't know about that. Yeah. yeah, do we call Lewis Hall to play out of position again for us? I... He's, is a scary prospect and and Sam real quick before I get back to the series were you expecting Zach's bingo card to also drop the fact that Kukurea had tonsillitis or was that not on your bingo card Okay well I didn't even know about this what I was just teasing Zach Zach was very much letting us know he he's Kukurea's doctor he saw him for tonsillitis I mean everything everything that I read said that he lost like Five pounds or something like that. Oh, he was stuck oh, oh, in the oh, damn oh. hospital, and he couldn't eat for like a week. Listen, as a pro athlete, if you lose if you lose a pound or even two pounds of muscle, and you're at the top of your game, I mean, you're it's you're, like a ten day recovery to your to your regular. Exactly. 
Exactly. I, I uh, you know, you guys are talking about the depth and, and what happens. I think, obviously, this is scary prospect. I want to sort of look at silver linings or potential things that can, you know, get us across the line. I mean, three matches left. And one of those matches, I said it last pot, I'll say it again. Yield 11 kids against Man City in the Carabao Cup. Okay, the Premier League, Champions League, and eventually the FA Cup, much bigger deals. Own it in for all really? I care. If if we won't. I know we won't, way. but like if it's if it's that big of a concern, like if we don't think that Dave and 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 Kukureya can play the next three matches, which I honestly don't think it's too hard of an ask. I mean, Aspie spent most of this match jogging, and I don't think that's going to be the case in the next three. But we'll get to the... I kind of jumped to talking about the back four tactically, and this might be a good talking point to switch over, but... Zach mentioned how Zakaria on the left allowed allowed Ben Chilwell to get forward more and allowed Aubameyang, in my opinion, not to get back. Midfield three could help these fullbacks not cover as much ground, or at least not have to at such an intense level like they do when they're wingbacks or when we deploy a double pivot. I think Zakaria on the left or Kovacic on the left, RLC on the right, however you want to set up that midfield three, if it is a flat three like it was today with a back four, that could go a long way to helping Aspie and Kukureya just get us to the World Cup. And I think mm. that's the goal right now. Like, I know it's bad. Sam, you mentioned hamstrings. Typically, about a month. Let's say that Chilwell's is more six to eight weeks. You only have one match left in 2022 after the World Cup, and it's, I think, Nottingham Forest on the 27th of December. So... And then Kukurea is not going to be in the Spain squad. Aspie's not going to be in the Spain squad. Chalaba didn't get, I don't think is getting a call up. RLC's not getting a call up. So like our team no should way. get the rest. Should get their rest. So to me, it's like through these next three matches and, and we should be okay by these, our, our other players time. Because I, from, from my understanding, the Reese James injury is also not as bad as we thought. Mm either so he could be back sooner than later and again it will be arrested aspiliqueta and maybe by then we have this back four sort of figured out now i want to just kind of finish going over the the back four switch because zach i know you were hesitant you didn't think potter had the balls to, to sort of just pull the plug on the back three because mendy was there but outside of mendy in those first 10 minutes being shot in confidence i thought the team overall looked fantastic i thought defensively we were always in the right place even when aspie got burned a couple times by orsic systematically as a unit everybody was placed in the right place covering the right person i looked back through through all of zagreb's chances and they were half chances like distant headers i think the one header that mendy to dive for i honestly think he made it look harder than it had to be i didn't think it was a special header so again zach do you feel better this time uh how easy the team looked set up in a back four especially when tiago silva didn't even start this match yeah and and, and i talked about it last uh podcast too i my frustration was that we weren't playing 
certain players in their best positions and we were compromising the formation over playing them in their preferred spots and in this match we did just that we actually played people where they belong Jorginho was at Regista, Sakaria was playing an 8, Mason Mount was playing this sort of hybrid, more attacking version of an 8. I almost want to say it's a 10, but not really. And then Kai was allowed to float, Raheem Sterling was high and wide, Aubameyang was up the middle. It was just, uh, it seemed a lot more natural for these guys, um, just in terms of their playing style and their specific you know, individual attributes that they have. So, I mean, we saw guys like Raheem Sterling benefit off of it. I, don't, I haven't seen him play that high up the pitch consistently for a full, I don't know if he played the full 90 minutes or not, the 83 minutes he was on. I haven't seen him play that high and wide all season. Um, and the same thing with Kai Havertz. Now that he sort of hit this run of form, it seemed like Potter kind of cracked the code and figured out where he can actually get production out of him consistently. And that's by allowing him to just sort of be this luxury player that roams around the pitch and finds the game as opposed to being an out-and-out -out striker, being an out-and-out -out playmaker. Um, so for me, that was, the biggest, that was the biggest change, and I feel like that's why it was so easy. I mean, it's a lot easier to get results, and it's a lot easier to coach a team when you're playing guys in their natural positions. I mean, who would have thought? I also, right. think, I also think that there's, and I don't know if this is due to the formation. I think it's probably more with just instruction from Potter, and this is something that, we were constantly banging our heads on the wall about what under Tuchel is was you see a lot more balls played um by by a midfielder sitting deep and playing the through ball i mean that that first goal the sterling goal it all started from a Jorginho through ball an amazing run by Aubameyang and he was like I think like he was standing at almost half field, Jorginho, and he played an awesome through ball. Um, then Aubameyang did the you know little back heel to to Sterling, and he put it away. Um, I mentioned last episode that you saw Kovacic do that a couple times as well. Um, and I don't know if this is due to the new formation. I don't know if having a back four helps out at all, but that's just something that I noticed that something that we were missing for a while and we were screaming we wanted and uh it's really nice to see that we have that now yeah i think that's like you said i think that it may not be a formation thing but more of a philosophy thing i think Virginio, i was very much to the point that i lost my shit and counted his four passes at one point last season and and he's been actively looking to to hit that front three quicker than he usually does. Perhaps the fact that Zakaria was so quick to give him the ball when he won it gave Jorginho that extra time to lift his head and get those forward passes. And the other thing that yeah. I forgot to mention, you know, Tom, you, you pointed out the direct passes from midfield. There's something about playing a back four where when the fullbacks do their overlapping runs to get into like cutback situations where they're crossing it again it feels less predictable than when we're in a 3-4-3 because i feel like the crosses are actually making it in front of the goal we weren't we didn't unfortunately we didn't score any of them today um the, the zakaria one was due to a deflection of, upon on a clearance but i felt like aspie and chillwell in the situations that they were getting uh making that overlapping run past the front three 
not the quickest guys. They're not the most skillful guys, but it's almost like just that one extra body in the attack. When you add now the fullback, it's almost like the straw that broke the camel's back, and those guys were always open. I don't know if you guys noticed that as well today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I just think that that's a nice, a nice little bonus because again, Aspie is as slow as molasses, and he was yeah. having time to time to cross. So I think that was a nice little positive. Um, it's harder. To, it's harder to defend because with a back four, you're allowing either more midfielders or more attackers on the pitch. So there's more options in the box, more chaos. In in those yeah. positions, especially like as a defender, I hated those cutback situations because you don't know what the fuck is behind you. So yeah. it just makes things a lot more frantic when you have more bodies in the box there. I feel like that's a big, big positive of having a back four over a three in those situations. So hopefully we could exploit yeah. that more. Last thing I'm I want to... I'm signed on for the back four for now. I like yeah. that a lot. We'll talk about that in the Arsenal preview. I want to give one last tip of the hat to to our rep, our op ultra. I almost said rep ultra. Our friend Bobby, who he's been pleading for Raheem Sterling to be deployed on the right because statistically he scores more when he's on the right. And he scored today, so I just thought that was funny that Whoa. the one match we finally destroyed deploy him on the right. He should have had like two or three, but the fact that he scored today, I'll, I'll take that. Uh, before. We get into the Arsenal preview. I want to give one last shout out to our bench today. Uh, I thought all five players that came on were fantastic. Gallagher came on for Kai and played that sort of roaming 10. Broja played out wide on the right side. RLC came over for Sicaria. Tiago gave Koulibaly a break. And Pulisic came on late and actually switched with Broja. Um, I believe he was playing more on the on the left side actually he played more on the left side but i thought that in that in those sort of 10 minutes that the five of them were all on the pitch they brought like an extremely high energy level and also their deployment of the 4-3-3 tactics that we had been doing all game it felt like they had been playing the whole match and they had a clear understanding of what was supposed to happen i thought it it was most true on Broja, who had to play essentially right wing when he's our most natural number nine on the team. And I think we were unlucky to not score at least three goals in those last 10 minutes. Gallagher had a chance. Broja had a chance. Mount had a couple chances. I mean, it was unbelievable. I don't know if you guys have anything to add to that, but I just think that those guys deserved one last shout out. Yeah, we, um, we could have scored at the end. Important then, to mention Gallagher. I think every passing oh, yeah. appearance from him, he's staking his claim as somebody who's going to be knocking on the door of that starting 11 soon. And, and strongest 11, let's say, because there is no true starting 11. But that's mm -hmm. a guy that I can definitely see being one of the he first adds, teams on the team sheet come next season. He adds shots to the field. I mean, he is definitely not afraid of shooting he is not afraid to put in a hard tackle i mean i'm pretty sure he got a yellow card again today or he or he should have gotten one so mm -hmm. again he he's just a little engine in midfield and it's nice to have that sort of defending from the front when it comes to gallagher but it's time to talk about the big match or excuse me before mm -hmm. we get into the arsenal match let's just quickly 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 address the teams that we can finally play in the round of 16 
Everybody's finished their matches. It's down to the last 16. And because the Premier League is the best league in the world, mm-hmm. limits who we can play. And the fact that La Liga is complete trash means that we don't have to see any La Liga teams because only Madrid qualified. And they also got first place. So uh, it goes as follows. Chelsea can face off against Club Bruges, Inter Milan, Frankfurt, RB Leipzig, Borussia Dortmund, and PSG. Now, one that's actually surprising to me. Oh, wait. No, Porto actually ended up beating them. That's what happened there. Uh, but, I mean, I think we can all agree PSG's the one we want to miss, right? Like, mm. my PSG in Champions League? I don't know. Early you, stage? Really early stage, yeah. I mean, the last time we played... I feel like the, the last time we played them was... I can't remember if it was, that was the last time or the second to last time where both Thiago Silva and David Luiz scored on us. Both headers, both against us, and they PTSD. eliminated us. I still have PTSD <laughs> from PSG, man. I, just, I don't know memories. about PTSD, man, but, but Mbappe, Messi, Neymar, they're all... That Trident, front three, however you want to describe them, are finally clicking. And... By the time we play them, it could be post-World Cup. So, like, again, the pressure of of representing their nations is off their back and they can solely focus on the one trophy they haven't won at the club. It's a scary prospect. Apart from them, I'm honestly not phased by any other team. I would love to draw Inter Milan. Lukaku back at the bridge. Oh, my God. Ooh, that would be great. I don't even know if this fool will make it. He's constantly injured. I, I, read much pizza. I read something that he's out till the new year, most likely. No, he put he came in and played this this last match. Did he? Yeah. Regardless, I'd love to see how the fans treat him, and and it could be the final nail in the coffin for both like Otter and and Bowley. Like if they even had an inkling of like, oh, do we give this guy a chance? Like, I want the fans to just give it to him. Like, no, fuck this guy. Don't make sure he doesn't come back. I know the rumors are that Bully's shipping him off anyway, but I mean, am I outside of Milan, which I would love that, by the way, another Italian team just beat him up. Am I being disrespectful to the Bundesliga by not being afraid of anyone? Dortmund, Leipzig, like. Yes, be disrespectful to the Bundesliga. It's, that's, okay. it's fine. It's fine to be disrespectful. Leipzig did beat Madrid. Leipzig did smack Madrid and, and, our future attacker, Christopher Nkunku, is on fire yet again in this stages of Champions League. Is he enough, though, to make me be afraid of Leipzig or, or for me to have to? Because, mind you, Timo got hurt. Another player. Like, if you needed to add a list of players missing the World Cup, unfortunately, another nice guy got hurt in Timo Werner, and he was their other threat. So... Again. Yeah, I mean, and Cuckoo, we've already agreed to terms with him. He's not going to piss off his future <laughs> fans. He, he, he'll he'll throw the match if, if we play against him. I'm not too worried about that either. Okay, so, so we're feeling to... good. We're feeling good to make quarterfinals then. That's what I'm hearing? Sure. And if, if we don't, mm. no big deal, honestly, in my opinion. Um, yeah? I'm more worried about making top four. Read that year. list one more time, Andres. We got Club Bruges, uh, Frankfurt, Leipzig, Dortmund, Inter Milan, and PSG. 
Yeah, out of all those teams, I think it's PSG is the one you want to avoid. I, take your pick. Yeah. I think we could. I think we smack anybody else that we play in two legs. Smack? I don't know, but I think we'll. Yeah, we'll, like we have a good chance. I I honestly think it's a major dub if we just not get PSG. That's my take on that. But anyway, yeah. that draws not for a little bit. We don't even play these fools until like February. We have our biggest match of the season so far this weekend. It's Arsenal at the bridge, November 6th. It pains me to say this, but this is top of the league Arsenal. They've won three out of their last five. They drew one and they lost to PSV in the Europa League. Their overall Mm -hmm. record in the Premier League is 10 wins, one draw, one loss. I mean... Just a quick yes or no. Did any of us expect them to be at this position this at this point in the season? Hell no. Hell no. This is ridiculous. I am shocked. But they but, but they are playing very well. They look really good. It's not are. a fluke. It's not a fluke that they're in first. But did I expect this? Hell no. So here's where no here's where I'm at with this and. Zach, you can kind of give your take on it, but I think that Arsenal are one injury away from this beautiful, whatever you want to call their form, is from tumbling to the ground. Because it's been Saliba, Gabriel, and White, plus one in the back four every single game. They switch Tomiyasu in for Zinchenko or sometimes Ben White. Zinchenko's been out for a while. Oh, so it's been Tomiyasu. And if Tomiyasu goes down, who is it going to be? Tierney, who is also like made of fucking porcelain. Like, And you have the midfield three, which is a double pivot and a 10. And it's usually Zaka, Odegaard, and uh, Thomas Partey. Okay, what is going on with Zaka right now? Why is he playing like Zinedine Zidane right now? I'll get to that because I'll, I'll dive into their <laughs> tactics a little bit. But then you have Gabriel Jesus at the nine, and you have the you know Martinelli on the left, Saka on the right. I personally think they're one injury away from this toppling to the ground because I think 11 have the system figured out. And, and Sam, here's, here's where I'll get into your answer. You have the two fullbacks inverting into midfield which then allows Xhaka to not be a, a double pivot player. He is lining up next to Odegaard. Xhaka's defensive numbers are far lower than they've ever been. Then his offensive numbers are skyrocketing. He's taking more shots than he ever has per 90. His, uh, his key pass numbers have gone up by, I think, like 1.4 per match in last se- last three seasons. Uh, so you're you're allowing... Jaka, who is not a, the most like mobile player to just use his football IQ. And you've got Martinelli starting the season and, and thinking he's fucking Neymar. The guy has been unbelievable and, and arguably one of the best wingers in the Premier League. And on Zaka, my fantasy team. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> Gra- uh, I was going to say Granit Xhaka again. Excuse me. Bukayo Saka is a fucking baller. He can do a little bit of everything. He leads the team with five assists. Then you mm-hmm. have Gabriel Jesus, who like nobody thought could lead the line. He is their highest scorer with five. It's not Erling Haaland numbers, but 
he fits how they play, right? Like this dude is willing to do the assisting. He's willing to run wide and then set the ball back up in the middle. So the 4-2-3-1 for this starting 11, they get it. They simply just get it. But I think, and and that's going to be tough for us because they're going to play their strongest 11 against us. I just think like one piece of that puzzle is taken out long-term and good luck because you lose Odegaard, Neil Smith Rowe still hurt, and who would you put there? You have, I think it's like a new guy. They got like a Fabio, Fabio Vieira, yeah, who has done okay as a sub, but like nothing crazy there. You don't have a true replacement of Thomas Partey, so it, it just kind of mm-hmm. gets a little bit dicey there. But Zach, how what do you think about this Arsenal side? I think I think they're a well well oiled machine, which is. The first time I can say that about an Arsenal team in a very long time. Um, <laughs> 10 years, I, maybe. I agree with you. I agree with you, Andres, but I don't think an injury to an Odegaard or a midfield player would necessarily be as detrimental. I think there's two players that have to stay healthy for them all year. Um, the first one's Gabriel Jesus for the reasons you mentioned. Stylistically, he's the exact profile striker that they needed. We have a buddy who's an Arsenal fan, and when they signed Gabby Jesus, I, I texted him in our group chat, Psalms in that group chat too, and we, I mentioned how it's actually the perfect signing for them, and he was kind of iffy on it at that time, and I was like, just he's going to come good. He, he's exactly what you guys need. Um, and then on the flip side, William Saliba has been probably one of the better center backs in the Premier League this season. So, yeah. you know, he commands that back line. He's clearly the leader of the back line. He's keeping Ben White, who's the, one of their record signings, out of his natural position just so they can accommodate playing him. So if he goes down or Gabby Jesus goes down, then they're in some serious trouble. But in terms of the rest of the team, I think they have decent cover around the other areas of the pitch where they need it. And again, you know, this is a side that's, for the most part, the majority of the squad has been together for a while now and have been working mm. with Arteta for the last couple seasons. So the philosophy, the style of football, all of that's pretty well ingrained in them at, at this point in time. So those are the two for me. If one of them goes down, then their season could possibly get derailed. Um, but yeah, no, it's it sucks that I have to be so comp- complimentary towards them. But to their credit, I mean... They kind of stuck with their own their own process, and they bought well the last couple of years, and 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 now that's finally starting to show for them. So this isn't going to be an easy match by any stretch. This is probably yeah. the most scared I've been playing Arsenal for a few years now. And now that Ben Chilwell's out, it just kind of makes the prospect of facing them a little bit more. I don't want to say scary. Scary is not the right word because it is Arsenal, but I just want to say it, it gets me a little concerned heading into this game because this can either go one of two ways we can either go in there smack them in the mouth early shithouse our way to three points with an injured with you know a a team that's injured or we can go in there and they can just pummel us similarly to how brighton did and you know that's happened to us a couple times this season so let's not say it's within the realm of impossibility i think it's very much possible that that can happen too so I don't know so, how I feel going in. So this is where I disagree with you. And Sam, I want to hear what you think on this. We rise to the occasion. That's the thing. Like we get pummeled by teams that we underestimate. And I I use it. I think this goes pre-Potter. Like 
Google's match against Spurs is is like living proof of it. Like he looked like complete ass against Everton, barely beat them one nothing thanks to a penalty, and then he turned it around and a referee kept us from beating Tottenham. Like it was a dominant, well fought match that was taken from us by shit refereeing. I'd argue that Man United match was a good, well fought match as well. So. I don't think Arsenal is going to pummel us. I think it's going to be a very good, tough match. So, Sam, do you are you more on the the Zach side of it, where it's a roll of the dice, or 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 do you think that it's more of a it's a it's a London derby? I'm scared shitless. <laughs> I'm really I'm really scared. Um, I mean, our team is really banged up. Um, we're in okay form. I mean. Today we won, but even before that, not in great form. Uh, and I just, I hate nothing more than losing to Arsenal. So it's just, it's just the thought of it is scaring me. Um, but yeah, you're right. This team does often rise up to the occasion when we play against the the better teams in the league. Um, it's the, It's the ones that we should beat. That we we end up <laughs> fucking up and playing and 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 embarrassing ourselves, but I don't know. I this this match thankfully starts at four a.m. Its kickoff is at I think four a.m. for us. Zach, is that right? I think so. Yeah, four a.m. So, so thankfully, uh, I don't have to wake up for it in case that we end up losing. But if we win. It'll be good because I'll be able to watch a replay and enjoy it. I'm glad it's at four, so I don't have to watch it with Mazin. I have an excuse because <laughs> I, I I really don't I, I don't want to watch this match with Arsenal friends. No, I want to watch it alone. And then if we win, then I'll let them. Then I'll text them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, y'all crazy. I'm waking up. It's obviously six a.m. No, no, I'm waking manageable. up. I it's far more manageable up. than four a.m. But yeah. Back back to it. We'll we we'll get Ron's question in at Bone Daddy Cool, the Czar of the BOPs, the Bops, Ultras. You guys play Zakaria on Saturday on Sunday. Yes. Does he start? Yes. Um. Hmm. I guess this here, Sam. Before you answer, before you answer, we'll just let Zach finish his starting eleven. So, um. No scores, just starting 11 at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you Um, include Zakaria. Assuming Kovacic is healthy, I'd like to start a midfield three of some combination, Zakaria, Kovacic, and Mount. Um, And then we can go with a front line that's relatively similar to the one we played today, where you can have one of Aubameyang or Broja starting up top, probably Aubameyang in my book, just because he's going to want to get one over um, Arteta. Sterling scored and looked half decent today, so I, I think he gets a run out. And then on the opposite flank, I, I would actually play a natural winger like Pulisic. I mean, if their fullbacks are going to tuck in and be a little bit narrow in possession, if we can catch them while they're possessing the ball and exploit those wings with some of our faster players like Sterling and Pulisic, then uh, then we might be able to nick a goal and, and, and walk away with a three point. So the back four is... That's a mess. I have no idea. It's going to be Thiago Silva, Chalaba, Kukurea, 
I'm hoping it's Dave, but I don't know why a part of me thinks Ruben Loftus Cheek might get a start. Um, at right back? At right back. Dave no. Dave was Dave did pull up at the end of the game. I don't know if it was cramps or an injury or whatever it was, but Can the Chavo thought of starting right? Dave against this Arsenal side just just scares me because they're full of energy and they're full of a bunch of movement. And 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 that's exactly what Dave can't defend against at this stage in his career. So maybe yeah. maybe sticking someone there who's a little bit more mobile, a little bit more physical would be a better counter to, you know. I guess it, it's probably going to be Martinelli who he would yeah, be facing. Yeah, Martinelli's on the yep. left. Yeah. Uh, can can Chalaba play right back? I think yes. he can. Yeah, like, he... I, I, would, I would like to see Koulibaly, Thiago Silva, and then Chalaba maybe at the right, as right back, and then Kukurea as left back. Just like Kukurea um, bomb forward, stick Zakaria on the left, and then sort of go into like a modified back three in possession. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually not I mean, a bad idea. It's exactly in possession. What we yeah, in possession, Chalaba has been a right back when we were doing that whole like three right. at the back plus a keeper thing. So mm-hmm. on the ball, he should be comfortable with it because under Tuchel, he also played right center back exclusively. Mm-hmm. So that that's sort of the same position that he would be filling out. Um, so that would be your back four. Some. What about like the rest of your your team? Yeah, I think. I think what we saw today is exactly what we'll see, except um, Kovacic in for Jorginho. So Zakaria, Jorginho, Mason, sorry, Zakaria, Kovacic, Mason Mount in the midfield, and then the front three of uh, Sterling, Aubameyang, and Kai Havertz. Yeah, I think well, that's... Kai gets another start. He's been good. I think I agree with you, Sam. I think it's going to be that with Kovacic for Jorginho just because of what Zach said, just a lot of mobility in this Arsenal side. So, you know that what that usually means for Jorginho, even with someone like Zakaria next to him. Um, it also can like quickly change into a 4-2-3-1 if we want to mirror their 4-2-3-1. Um, I think I still want to play Aubameyang, and maybe it's like the pettiness in me. I would love for Aubameyang to start, score, and then he can give Arteta a Dennis Zakaria stare, you know? Yep, yep. Just do that. And, and then Zach can tell us that it was just a buddy-buddy thing, and he was telling him how much <laughs> he loves him. Uh, but I, I, in all, <laughs> all jokes aside, I do think Aubameyang is it's, – it's more of a front two that can be deployed wide, and I think you bring those veterans – like. I think Pulisic looked fantastic off the bench, and I think that having that option against a potentially more tired Arsenal side could be a, a nice little X factor. The experience in Aubameyang and Sterling to let them decide if they're going to be wider or more of a narrow two in front of uh, Havertz could be a nice, like, tactical sort of uh, in-game decision. I do think it'll be Zakaria, Kovacic, and Mount. And then the back four, I think... You, you can't bench Chalaba. I think he has to play. I just don't see experimenting with him at fullback this match if he didn't play fullback midweek. Like if we saw Chalaba today at right back, maybe. But I think Dave is just going to be far more defensive and just kind of chill and force Martinelli to let go of the ball instead of giving him the space to dribble past him by by diving and, and diving into to sort of go get the ball from him. I think our back line is going to be a lot more passive in that sense because Odegaard, Saka, and Martinelli can be a threat on the dribble. 
So I don't know if it's like, I don't think we're going to just give up on possession. I just think that we're going to be absorbing a lot of their, their attacks rather than do the whole counter pressing thing. I may be totally off base here because we haven't done that yet under Potter. I just think that that would be much smarter. Let them kind of come and then we sort of take over the space that they may leave behind them, having Aubameyang and Sterling super high up the pitch. So that's kind of how I see see it working out. But we all agree that Zakaria probably earned that start on Sunday. Now Not the last thing is crazy. Start. We need somebody. We've been crying for somebody like him. I mean, to be fair, RLC has played well as the physical center mid this season. But so his, like, his, his ability to single-handedly stop a counterattack or nudge a center forward off the ball or intercept passes, win tackles, it's, it's not even close to Zakaria's. No, and I, and I mentioned it. Zakaria legitimately went 39 for 40. The dude was yeah. getting the ball and then keeping it. for like He legitimately lost the ball once when it came to his passing. I think he was only dispossessed three more times. For a guy that's been iced out for two months, that's unbelievable. And if the instruction yeah. is to keep it simple, like more power to him. Like I, I didn't say this earlier, but this was Nemanja Matic 2.0 when Nemanja Matic came back from Benfica and what he was adding to this team. It was just simple. It was like beauty and simplicity. Like I did not need anything else. Uh, from Zakaria, and I think as long as he can do that for us and be the guy that just puts in a hard tackle and sends Odegaard to the ground while winning the ball, and immediately getting it to Kai Havertz, immediately getting it to Obama Yang, I think that would be huge, huge against a team that honestly has been dominant in, in how they go about their game plan. So, um, yeah. Uh, the last thing, last question before we give our predictions, Nick Lennartson was asking, is this a smart or a dumbass move to not rest key players. And, and before I pass it off, I want to say our key players, for the most part, outside of, I think, Mason Mount, who was rested previous to this match, got taken off the pitch early. 60th minute, 60th minute. I think Raheem Sterling might have been the only other player who stayed in a little bit longer, 83rd. Mm. So I think the guys that played today was fitness reasons. Mount had, had been given a break, so getting 90 minutes on his feet, I don't think it's going to be an issue. Sure, was a game of, of no stakes, and obviously hindsight 2020, fullback situation would be different. But I really think that it was a necessity to play them, and I don't think outside of the obvious Ben Chilwell situation is going to bite us in the ass. Sam, what about you? Uh... Yeah, I mean, wait, what, what are you asking me? If you thought it was... <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, Nick's, Nick's question, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. If, it was okay. a, if it was smarter, if it's going to bite us in the ass to not fully Sorry. rest players. Your long-winded answer made me forget there was even a question to begin <laughs> with, but um, I mean, I already said it in the beginning, the very beginning. That was my first point that I can't, I couldn't believe the, the, uh, quality of lineup that he played but i think both of you guys provided some pretty good reasons as to why um potter deployed that strong of an 11 so yeah i mean we made all five subs uh, there was nothing more that he could have done i think like i'm not i can't blame him for chillwell's injury but um 
yeah, I, th- I think the rest of the players, like, they're not going to be overly tired for next match. Like, it it it, it wasn't a uh, – it was the way he phrased it, a dumbass move. Yeah. 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 Heck. I, I, I don't. I think it was important to get a good performance out of the team, and it's one of those things where you just kind of have to roll the dice and, and, and tell your guys, you know – do your best not to not to get hurt. If you feel anything, you feel fatigued, let me know. You come off. Um, sort of like Zakaria did. But with the Chilwell situation, it's just it's just unfortunate because it was something that was sudden. I'm sure if he felt something earlier on, he probably would have flagged to the sideline and maybe not have, you know, pushed himself as hard or looked to get subbed off earlier. It was just one of those freak accidents where you just overstretch a little bit and uh you know, and and that muscle goes. So no, I don't think it was a dumb move. I think the squad could have been rotated a little bit more, but I still wanted to see a strong competitive team out there. Yeah, I mean, we'll find out come Sunday, November 6th. Now, let's finish it off. One last thing. Predictions. Tom, I know you're scared. What do you got for us? Um, keeping it up, my prediction, I think that it'll be a hard-fought battle both teams will you know leave it all in the field i'm going with two two draw back i'm gonna go one one i think it'll be a draw and i think i think that's actually a positive result for us at this point in the season and considering injuries and all well i don't want just three draws so i'm just gonna say one nil it's gonna be it's gonna be a Mourinho esque performance from Chelsea. Mm. I don't think we will be the better team on paper. I don't think we'll be the better team visually. I think it's gonna be a proper London derby. These guys are just gonna beat the shit out of each other for ninety minutes. And we may just come on top from like a scrappy goal in the sixty third minute. Something along those lines. Nothing special. Not a a tactical masterclass. I think it's going to come down to you know, blood, sweat, and tears. I think we need to regain London in a way, remind people the biggest club in London is. And, and th- usually Arsenal's biggest game is playing Chelsea, and Chelsea's not bothered by it. I think the roles are reversed this time. I think our locker room is really going to wake up for it, and I hate to say that, but I think a 1-0 victory could, could be a possibility. Nice. Uh, That's it, huh? Well, if you guys are still listening, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Blues on Parade. We do record an episode after every single match. We also post a questions tweet. So if you're wondering how these people got read out on the podcast or shouted out rather, go ahead, look for our questions tweet on our Twitter page. We do post after every match and that's your chance to kind of add a question or just some insight. Or even if you just want our take on just a general talking point, Um, We'll be sure to bring it up here in the pod. So um, Arsenal coming up, hopefully three more points in the bag. And until then, keep the blue flag flying high.